the children can go down for children's church this time. And then we'll ask Carol to come up and, and share the word with us. God bless you, Carol. Well, good morning. Thank you. It's great to be back in Killarney. Man, we were just reminiscing here a little bit, and over the last couple of years, we've kind of seen it all, haven't we? I mean, boy, we just got back from vacation there in February of 2020, and uh, remember preaching a message here called Leaving the Baggage Behind, little knowing that within a month, everything was going to lock down, and of course, got to come back a couple of times that summer, I think, while Danny was on sabbatical, and, and then, uh, what, the next autumn, everything again was locked down, so I think I sent over a video sermon and, and that kind of thing, and then last summer, it was the uh, drive-in concerts and also drive-in church service, preaching on the trailer here, and it's great to be back and see everybody in person, amen? Amen. Well, a couple of uh, uh, things to mention before I launch into this morning's message is uh, June 4th, I believe. The first Saturday of June is the uh, big grand opening at Turtle Mountain Bible Camp of their new building. And uh, uh, we're hoping to be there and uh, invite you to as well. And then another thing we're working on in late August is a concert tour with the Lumber River Quartet. And they're, of course, from North Carolina. They've been through here many times and they have offered to sing on behalf of One Hope Canada. Uh, they'll also be singing at the Morden Corn and Apple Festival and then doing a bit of a tour for us after. And right now we're talking about having them in Killarney on uh, Tuesday of that week. So I think that's about the 30th of August. And I'm talking to the good folks over at Calvary Baptist about having it there. So we're waiting to hear back on that. But uh, we want to have it in Killarney anyway, somewhere here, there, or somewhere, uh, on Tuesday the uh, 30th of August. The Lumber River Quartet singing on behalf of One Hope Canada. Ken, how are we doing there with the, the slideshow? All right. Well, uh, my message is, oh, there we go. Excellent. Good, good. Message this morning is entitled, Preaching, Praying, and Waiting on Tables. Okay? Preaching, Praying, and Waiting on Tables. Now, I know there's some Bible scholars here that you're, you're a step ahead of me. You know where exactly where this is going. Uh, some, of, some of the rest of us might be like, oh, he's maybe going to talk about eating out. Must tie in with the potluck coming up or something like that. But it kind of reminds me of a guy that was in the restaurant having coffee, you know, and he was complaining. He said, waiter, waiter, this coffee tastes like mud. You know, the waiter comes over. It's just like, what? what's the problem? He's like, this, is, this coffee tastes like mud. Waiter's like, well, that's really strange. It was just ground this morning. <laughs> Another guy was in the restaurant having a soup and sandwich kind of thing and, and just, you know, feasting it up kind of thing. And the waitress comes over and says, sir, sir, do you need help? Do you need help? And he's like, Leave me alone. I'm having my soup and my sandwich. What, what do you mean, do I need help? She's like, well, from the sound, I thought you might want to be dragged ashore, you know, kind of thing, you know. Um, or, uh, you know, the, the, old, the old story. I was just in, in the men's room here, and, you know, um, so anyway, this is a guy in a restaurant, again, having his soup, and it's like, waiter, waiter, what's this fly doing in my soup, you know? The waiter comes over, and it's like, hmm, looks like he's doing the backstroke, you know? <laughs> Waiter, waiter, what's this fly doing in my ice cream? Well, maybe he likes winter sports, you know. Or I just found this one this week, uh, atheist. What's this fly doing in my soup? Waiter says, well, looks like he's praying. The atheist says, very funny. I can't eat this. Take it back. Waiter says, well, you see, the fly's prayers have been answered. So there you go. 
One more, and then we'll get serious here. Waiter, waiter, there's a, there's a fly in the butter. You ready for this? Waiter's like, well, looks like it's a butterfly. Oh. All right. <laughs> we, before we get all buttered up, uh, join me in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 is where we'll be looking this morning about preaching, praying, and waiting on tables. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Thank you, Vern, for reading that. And uh, it's, we find, as we look at Acts chapter 6, it starts with a need, and it presents a problem, okay? Now, in those days, when the disciples, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Now, let's stop right there and, and kind of say there's, there's a, a problem that's being presented here in Acts 6 and verse 1. And the problem is that here's this group of widows from the Hellenists, and they're being, you know, they're, they're not getting the food that they're needing. Now, by way of background, one commentator was saying at this point, the church may have numbered around 20,000 people already. So there's a lot of people, and, and everybody's, you know, kind of sharing everything in common. And so as a result, here's this group of widows that, you know, hey, we're not getting our fair share. Now, you might think, well, who are the Hellenists, you know? And these weren't all the ladies whose names were Helen, okay? I just thought of that. <laughs> Again, drum roll, please. But anyway, uh, these were, if you, if you think of the Old Testament, you might remember that after King Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was, uh, was split in two. There was the northern kingdom that was called Israel. And over the next, boy, several hundred years anyway, I forget exactly how many, just wicked king after wicked king and more and more idolatry and it's just awful and eventually the Lord just said okay enough of you and in 722 BC they were taken into exile in Assyria meanwhile the southern kingdom known as Judah uh, they had some better kings but but a lot of not so good kings as well and eventually in 586 BC their uh, basically what was left of them went off to Babylon and they were in exile so anyway, there's the Babylonian Empire, the Assyrian Empire before that, and various other empires, and along came the Greek Empire, and of course the language and the culture of the Greeks kind of saturated the whole area, and so the Greek-speaking people in the Jewish faith were called Hellenists, okay? And so some of them were getting saved as well, so they're coming into the church. Now, the Hellenists were seen as more liberal or more worldly than the other Hebrew-speaking people, and so as a result, you're, you're seeing a bit of a, maybe a racial divide here. Here's these people that, that speak Greek, and they're, you know, they're a little more, you know, as we would say in Low German, you know, kind of thing. Those of you who don't know Low German, a little more worldly, you know. And so, so they're kind of feeling they're being picked on because of maybe who they are. So how are the disciples going to solve this problem? Well, we find out what they did in verse 2. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables, okay? So they're not going to put down the preacher's garb and put on uh, waitressing aprons or whatever. Therefore, brethren, seek from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man of, full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And of course, there's a story of Stephen that follows in the book of Acts. Uh, Philip, and there's also a story of Philip that follows. Uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, he has a bunch of tongue twisters, right? Um, 
Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them, okay? So here's a need that's presented. These widows are being neglected. So how do they solve it? They say, you know what? We're not going to drop what we're doing. We're just going to keep focusing on teaching the word and on prayer, but we're going to put together a committee that's going to deal with this matter, okay? So that's how they solve the problem. And verse 7, then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So they deal with this problem, and they see God's word spread. They see the numbers grow. They see even the, the leaders of the Jewish faith come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So a need presented, a problem there, and they dealt with it. They solved the problem. As a result, the word went forth, uh, the family of God grew, and even uh, those of the Jewish faith came into uh, the faith. Well, we have an opportunity as well. We have a need as well. In just over a month, there's going to be a whole bunch of kids that are going to show up at camp. And they're not going to be hungry widows that speak Greek, but they're going to be little kids that are perhaps starving for the Word of God, okay? And there's an opportunity there, both physically, to feed them, you know, the nourishment, three meals a day plus snacks, right? And spiritually as well. And it reminds me, as we look at what's coming our way this summer, at what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 9. He said the harvest is plentiful. I mean, we are seeing so many registrations. Some of our camps are having to add weeks of camp. I mean, it's just like we have not seen this in years. You know, we're just like, oh, praise the Lord. This is awesome. You know, but uh, the workers are few. Each one of our camps, at least I think everyone I've looked at so far on Facebook or whatever, they're all looking for more help. So Jesus, back in Back in the time he was walking physically on this, on this earth, said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So how does he solve the problem? Does he say, therefore hold a recruitment drive to try and dig up some more people? Is that what he says? The, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, therefore uh, blitz the neighborhood, you know, and see if they'll, you know, we can dig some people up to help out at camp. No, you guys know the verse, right? The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, therefore... It starts with, there's four letters in this word. Therefore, come on, someone, what? Pray, yeah, there you go. I wish I had a chocolate bar to give whoever answered that. That's right. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So it's not a matter of, you know, cleverly designed recruitment schemes or whatever, but saying, Lord God of the harvest, would you provide the workers for the harvest field? And just like in that New Testament church, as we each do our part, the work uh, will be accomplished. The gospel will be spread. And some will come minister the word. You know, cabin leaders uh, teaching the Bible lessons and devotionals. Some will come and speak in chapels, you know, chapel speakers. Some will minister through food, donating the food, uh, preparing the food, serving the food. And then some will pray. And you know what? We all can pray. In the book, Billy Graham, God's Ambassador, Billy says, I realize more than ever that this ministry has been a team effort. Without the help of our prayer partners, our financial supporters, our staff, and our board of directors, this ministry and all our dreams to spread the good news of God's love throughout the world would have been impossible. And you think of the millions, perhaps even billions of people that Billy Graham preached to in his lifetime. And in the same way as we're trying to reach the kids in Canada, without people praying, without people financially supporting and coming and serving on staff and so on, serving on the board, uh, the ministry 
uh, would not be possible. So this morning, we, we've looked at three things there in the early church. Some uh, taught the word, some fed the, the widows, and others prayed. And the rest of our time this morning, we want to talk about prayer. We want to talk about prayer. Now, there's four steps in prayer. Um, I, I, now, this is not necessarily... I don't have chapter and verse to say this, but I just find this is a prayer model that I've used in, in about the last 30 years in, in my devotions, and I find it keeps me kind of focused as uh, uh, in my prayer life, because sometimes we think of prayer as just kind of giving God our shopping list, right? You know, it's just like, okay, God, I want this, I want this, I want this, but it's, prayer is kind of a journey into the presence of God. We want to look, first of all, at prayers of adoration, okay, prayers of adoration, and that's basically where we look at God, at who God is. And I don't know if you caught the lyrics, the words of the songs that were sung at the beginning. A lot of songs of adoration, you know, worshiping God for who he is. And as we do that, as we start our prayer time with adoring God, it helps us to get refocused, okay? Even when you think of the Lord's Prayer, they call it the Lord's Prayer, it's actually the disciples' prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy is thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, it's basically a, a look at who God is even in that model prayer. John Newfelt, uh, not the back of the Bible, uh, Bible teacher, but uh, the pastor of the church, uh, that, our sending church, he was pastor there for uh, 23 years, uh, posted this just recently. He said, where God is, there is reason to praise and celebrate. Since he is wherever we are, and we cannot be where he is not, every place is an occasion to praise our loving Father, Savior, and King. And when we praise, depression lifts, discouragement flees, and joy returns like sunshine after a stormy day. Okay? There is much to praise him for, even though our circumstances try to rob us of our joy. Now, uh, John's wife, Anne, um, they live in the Steinbach area, and she recently just had a, just a close brush with death. She, uh, I think she had a heart attack, and basically they weren't sure if she was going to survive. So him writing this really uh, takes on an extra clout because of what they're living. There is much to praise him for, even though our circumstances try to rob us of our joy. But they have that kind of power only when our lives are devoid of praise for the many, thing he do, many things he does on our behalf. So as we praise the Lord, it refocuses us and helps us to realize that the God we're worshiping is all-powerful and all-loving and omnipresent in all those things that God is. It helps us realize who he is, and it refocuses us uh, in our prayer life. Psalm uh, 139, verse 14, I think our... Our thing is stuck here. If I, I don't know if I can get a right click there from the sound techies there or something like that. Oh, there we go. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Uh, Psalm 66. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. When's the last time we've shouted to God, right? Uh, sing the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Oh, bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise to be heard. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Uh, the shortest psalm in the Bible is Psalm 117. And uh, this is, might be a good one to memorize. If you're like, hey, I want to memorize a psalm, uh, don't start with 119, because that's like 176 verses. That's a really long one. But Psalm 117, this one's really short, okay? 
Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. That's probably most of us, okay? Uh, Laud him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord, okay? Now, I don't know if you guys remember that old song that we used to sing in in church back, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, as we focus on Jesus, on our sovereign Lord and who he is, the, the monstrous things that tend to trip us up suddenly get a lot smaller when we realize that God is bigger than this stuff. Now, I want to take a moment this morning, and uh, I was going to recruit uh, or ask for help beforehand, and so uh, this may or may not fly, but uh, I was going to ask, is there someone here this morning whose heart is just full of adoration for God, and you just want to, you know, you just like to share a prayer with the congregation. We're going to kind of do, go through these different steps, so there'll be opportunities to pray for different things along the way, so I really need audience participation. But, but is there someone this morning that says, you know what, I just want to praise, I, you know, and not asking God for anything at this point, but I just want to adore God. I just want to, you know, verbalize that in the house this morning. Is there someone just kind of says, hey, I just, I just want to praise the Lord. Let's not all jump at once. Awesome. All right, let's bow. Amen. Isn't it beautiful? The family of God. Wow, absolutely. So, so prayers of adoration, seeing God for who he is, it helps us refocus. And as we see God for who he is, as we look at his holiness, the next step in our prayer uh, journey is confession, okay? Because when you see a holy God, it just makes our sinfulness very, very apparent. Isaiah got his call. It's it's recorded in Isaiah chapter 6, and he had a vision of the Lord. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it, above the presence of the Lord, stood seraphim. Now, that's a fancy King James word for angels, okay? Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Okay, so there's Isaiah. He's seeing this worship scene in heaven. And what happens next? He says, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Okay, this was a pyrotechnics deal like no one has ever seen before, right? I mean, God's, the whole temple is shaking, smoke all over the place, like, whoa, you know? What does Isaiah do? He says, woe is me. Now, there's a bit of confusion here. Some people thought Isaiah's horse's name was Ismi, okay? So he's like, woe is me. No, that's, that's not what's going on, okay? That's not what's happening, okay? He's saying, I am ruined. Woe is me, he says, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts, you know? So he sees God's holiness and he's like, oh man, I am a sinful man, you know? And my people are sinful as well, you know? Notice what happens next. Then one of the seraphim, one of the angels, flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. Okay, So there he is. He realizes his sinfulness in light of God's holiness, and an angel flies to him with a burning hot coal that was taken from the altar, from the fire at the altar. Right, And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Okay, So God... 
hears Isaiah's cry of confession, says, Lord, I am a sinful man. And God sends this angel who touches his lips with a hot coal and says, your lips are cleansed, okay? You know what? God is still in the cleansing business today. But does he still use a hot coal? Uh Uh-uh. What does he use? What What cleanses us today? The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Thank you. Psalm 32, verse 5, the psalmist says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So we acknowledge our sin, we confess it, and God forgives. Uh, Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So we don't want to be people covering over our sins, say, oh, no, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as that guy, you know. No, no, no. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. James 5, this kind of ties into the the body of Christ. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, and I think that means woman as well, avails much. So as we confess and, and, you know, like leave those sins behind, we see God's power at work. Now, having said that, there are things that can block our prayers, okay? Um, the psalmist says this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. You know, if I've got something in my life that God's been saying, hey, you know what, you need to address that, you need to turn from that, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm, you know, that's just me, that's just the way I am. I was just born that way or whatever, right? The Bible says it blocks our prayers from getting to God. And I know that's very contrary to our culture. I mean, our culture, especially over the next month, is going to be celebrating blatant rebellion against God. But his word says, you know what? If I'm going to cling to sin in my life, no matter what culture says about it, no matter if it celebrates it with parades and who, what all else, the Lord will not hear. I, I'd prefer to have the Lord hear my prayer than, than you know, like clinging on to sin. Amen. You know, there's another one, another thing that can block our prayers, and this is the way we treat our spouse. Now, I don't know how this works. I'll just read the verse and and trust the Spirit to kind of apply this. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, as in your wife, uh, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Again, I don't know exactly how that works, but somehow Peter's writing, and and it's kind of like as, as husbands, if... If we're not kind of being, you know, the way uh, treating our wives as Christ would, you know, has treated the church, somehow there's a blockage that happens in our prayer lives. But thankfully, we got this verse that we can cling to. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And again, this is where there's audience participation. I'm not going to ask anybody to pray out loud. This is private. This is for you to kind of say, Lord... Would you just search my heart this morning and see if there be any wicked way in me? And, uh, and as the Bible says, and lead me in the way everlasting. So we're just going to take a moment and just ask God to search your heart. And sometimes, you know, I've been in a service where it's kind of like God is convicting me of something and I had to say to my special someone, you know, my, my beloved, honey, I'm sorry about this. So if, if you've got to do business with someone sitting beside you, we'll allow time for that as well. Maybe, maybe not too loud, but just between you and that person. So let's just take a moment in, in prayers of confession.
Thank you, Lord God, for the promise that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful, you are a righteous God, and you forgive our sins and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we pray that in our lives today, that you would cleanse us from anything that is blocking our communication with you. Help us to be pure vessels in your service. In Jesus' name, amen. So we go from prayers of adoration, worshiping God for who he is, and in response, we see our sinfulness. So we say, okay, Lord, uh, time to do some house cleaning. I confess this sin. Well, the third type of prayer is the prayer of thanksgiving. What are you thankful for this morning? Uh, in 1 Chronicles 16, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon him. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Now you say, well, how is the prayer of adoration different than the prayer of thanksgiving? <laughs> the prayer of adoration looks at who God is. The prayer of thanksgiving looks at what God has done, how good God has been to us. Okay, uh, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Okay, praise is declaring how good God is. Okay, be thankful to him and bless his name. Uh, Matthew 14 verse 19, Jesus commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Now the reason I chose that verse, that's pretty... Um, kind of a model of what we see throughout the Gospels. Whenever Jesus is mentioned together with food, he's praying, he's giving thanks for food. So that's where we get that habit, shall we say, of saying grace. We have giving thanks for the food because our Lord modeled that for us in his life here on earth. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Okay, that's what we're talking about this morning, right? In everything give thanks, for this is what? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, you might have been looking for God's will. You know, is it God's will that I become a pilot or become an engineer or whatever? Well, Paul says, you know what? These three things, this is God's will for you, friend. Rejoice always that we be living the joy of the Lord. Secondly, praying without ceasing that it's as normal, as natural, as, as breathing is, is how our prayer lives ought to be. And thirdly, in everything, give thanks. This is God's will for you. So prayers of thanksgiving. Do we have a volunteer, someone that just says, you know what, God has been so good to me, and I just want to thank him in the presence of my church family. Anybody want to just say a prayer of thanksgiving this morning as we talk about the prayers of thanksgiving? Any volunteers? Okay, well, I'll pray. Lord, we give you thanks. You are so good to us. Thank you for even uh, carrying us through the last couple of years with, with all we experienced. Thank you that no matter how crazy the world has been and how crazy it may get, that you are still on the throne. Thank you for salvation. Thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your one and only son to um, pay the price for us to be with you forever. We thank you. And uh, Lord, even throughout eternity, we're not going to run out of things to thank you for because you have been so, so good to us. In your son's name, amen. The final step in the prayer journey is prayers of supplication. Prayers of supplication. And uh, this is a verse, and there's so many verses like uh, the First Thessalonians 5, what pray without ceasing. Uh, James 5.13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. And we want to spend some time praying this morning, particularly into... Um, What's coming up just a month from now is camp starts. And we want to first of all pray for campers, okay? For campers, for hearts to be soft 
and open to God speaking to them. Now, for the last 51 weeks, many of those kids coming up to camp have been sitting under atheistic, humanistic philosophy. And so in one week, we got to give them God. You know, it's like, wow. So we need God ahead of time to be softening their hearts and uh, so that they will be open to what God wants to say. In Billy Graham's book, The Journey, he says, prayer is crucial in evangelism. Only God can change the heart of someone who is in rebellion against him. No matter how logical our arguments are, and, and it's good to have a logical argument if you ever, ever get to study um, apologetics, it's well worth a study. But no matter how logical our arguments or how fervent our appeals, our words will accomplish nothing unless God's Spirit prepares the way. Okay? So we need God's Spirit to soften the hearts of kids coming to camp. And like I did I mention that our camps are like, there's so many registrations coming in, some bunch of our camps are having to add weeks of camp. I mean, it's just like, whoa, when have we ever seen that before? Like, so I need a volunteer. Who's going to pray for campers that are coming up to camp? Because someone, yes, Chelsea, real loud for everybody's here. Thank you so much. Praying for campers. Wow, just such an ongoing thing heading into the summer. Second thing we want to pray for is cabin leaders. These are the people that interact with those campers on a 24-7 basis that are modeling Christ's love to those campers. And so we are praying, like right now, uh, yeah, I think I said this already, but I think every one of our camps is looking for more cabin leaders. So praying for God to provide the cabin leaders. And secondly, that the campers, that the cabin leaders who come will be yielded to the Lord pure vessels in his service. Uh, so not only that God will provide them, but that the ones will, that come will be ready to be used of God, that they will have set aside things that might trip them up in ministry and are ready to be used. Would someone pray for the cabin leaders who are coming uh, to camp this summer? Okay, right at the back. Thank you, Lord, for this. Then we want to pray for speakers, the camp speakers, the people who come and declare the word to the campers. We want to pray that they are going to be anointed by the Lord, that they're going to be led by the Lord, that they will teach what God would have them teach. And as one of my uh, Bible school professors says, that they'll put it on the, the bottom shelf, that they'll be able to uh, present it to those campers in a way that those campers can understand, okay? Because it's, it's easy sometimes as speakers that we kind of speak at a real philosophical level, and those campers are like... I'm not sure what that was, but so who will pray for the camp speakers this summer? You have a volunteer, please.
pray that they can really make it uh, understandable and engaging Thank you so much for praying. The final two will lump together. The support staff, we want to pray for the, the team standing behind the scenes to, to minister as a team, uh, to stand behind the ministry happening on the front lines. And then we also want to pray for safety because some of the things we do is, you know, kind of dangerous. And so we just uh, want to pray for God's protection on uh, the ministry. Who will pray for the support staff and for safety? fun and adventurous. Um, pray specifically for the Barch family out at Turtle Mountain Bible Camp and uh, give them a wonderful season with uh, your grace and love over them. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for those of you that, are, that participated this morning. Um, there's more information. Actually, next Sunday is the official day of prayer for camp, but because I wasn't invited to speak next Sunday, then thought I'd make this Sunday it for Killarney Mennonite. But uh, anyway, so there's more information on the display table. There's also um, our prayer card, which is, uh, this is, uh, it's going to, how do I put this? Uh, we are getting our, our prayer card redone because we got an addition to the family. Did everybody see Evangeline? You want to just tell, she's in pink back there. You want to just give her a quick wave? Yeah. So that's our one-year-old little baby girl. And so, um, yeah, so we're going to do re be redoing our, our family portrait for our prayer cards. So we've got a few limited edition prayer cards from when it was just the two of us still at the table. There's only about 500 left, limited edition. They're, I'm sure they're going to be worth as much as a Wayne Gretzky rookie card or something like that one day. <laughs> Kidding, of course. But anyway, stop by for that. And then information on the official day of prayer and our magazine. And I forget. Oh, yeah, there's just a list of prayer items for our missionaries across the country also at our display table. And we'd also love to meet with you. So we've all got a ministry. As I wrap up, we've all got a ministry to play uh, this summer. And some are going to minister the word as uh, camp speakers. Some are going to come as cabin leaders and uh, teach the Bible to those, um, you know, campers in devotions and, and Bible lessons. Other people are going to minister physical food, right? Donating food, serving it, preparing it, and all that. And we all can do the, the final thing. We all can pray, okay? And, and perhaps as I wrap up, Maybe there's, as you're thinking about the summer and, you know, you may, you know, I, I know everybody's kind of got their professions and stuff. And, and so it's not possible for everybody to drop everything, go work at camp. And, and I, I totally get that. But we all can pray. So maybe, is, is there a trigger point? And I know uh, Natalie being a professional counselor, she talks about triggers kind of thing. But in a good way, okay, is there a trigger as you're on your way to work, a corner you can pass and say, you know what, that's the prayer corner. Every time on my way to work, 
I'm just going to pray. When I hit that corner, that's where I'm going to pray for, you know, Turtle Mountain Bible Camp. I'm going to pray for the other One Hope Canada camps. That's going to be my prayer corner. Or maybe on your fridge. Maybe you can have a fridge magnet up or something like that. And every time you, you know, go for, go for the snacks or whatever, it's like, okay, oh, yeah, that's my reminder to pray, okay? You know, so what, what kind of triggers do you have that you can just remind yourself to be a, a person of prayer throughout the summer ministry? So the, the, those of us that are ministering the Word and others that are ministering the physical food, we all can minister in prayer. So let's all do our part, and we'll look forward to uh, praising the Lord together uh, when it's all said and done. So let's pray, and then I think I'm handing it over to Vern or somebody else. Well, Lord, we are so thrilled to have this avenue of prayer that we're not just saying words that are bouncing off into, into nowheresville or whatever, but Lord, you, the sovereign God of the universe, are hearing our prayers. We thank you so much that, that you, the one who created all things, billions of um, stars and, and all that. It's, it's beyond our comprehension what you all made, but yet you take the time to listen to our prayers. Thank you so much for that truth. May it encourage us as we go into uh, this week, as we go into this summer, that our prayers are making a difference. And so, Father, I pray for the uh, church family here, your special blessing on them. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for what they have meant to our ministry, uh, both personally and also to uh, Turtle and uh, various other ministries of One Hope Canada, uh, formerly the Canadian Sunday School Mission, of course, through the years. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the blessing that this fellowship, that this church has been to our ministry through the years. And we pray a spe special blessing on them. And uh, Lord, we, we ask as we present our prayers, uh, whether it be for the ministry this summer or prayers for each other, for even uh, physical healing or, or whatever uh, touch is needed from you, that, Lord, as you hear our prayers, that we would also see some powerful answers, and that'll encourage us to uh, pray with even more faith, with even more boldness. And so make us, Lord, a people of prayer. Thank you, Lord, that the harvest is plentiful. And, Lord, we pray for you to provide workers. Thank you that we can pray into that, and we look for you to answer. In Jesus' name, amen.